Time keeps on leaving and we keep on moving. When do we pass on our wisdom to the youth? My veteran story lost our discussions. Fireside chats with the bourbon or two. It's time to hear the stories by military veterans. Get yourself ready. It's the Lost Arts Podcast. The Lost Arts with Andrew Cox. Hello, hello my friends and welcome to the very first of hopefully many fireside chats. I'll be sitting next to a campfire, smoking my cigar, and having a bourbon. Just like any fireside chat, I will tell some stories and then talk about life and hopefully impart my experience to to my children and anyone else who will listen. Speaking of telling stories, here is an advertisement for my first book, The Lost Art of Fishing Stories. In a world where digital technology has taken over, the art of storytelling is quickly being lost. But there is one place where the tradition of storytelling still thrives. The Lost Art of Fishing Stories is a collection of one fly fisherman's incredible tales. These stories are sure to capture the heart of readers of all ages. In a time when we are more connected than ever before, The Lost Art of Fishing Stories is a reminder of the importance of sharing stories and connecting with each other on human level. Pick up a copy wherever books are sold. The Lost Art of Fishing Stories, written by Andrew J. Cox. Illustrations by Oni Virginia Bailey. All right, all right, here we go. So there I was. I was a strapping 21-year-old young man. I was heading to Marine Corps boot camp. That's right, boot camp. The, the place where boys become men. So I boarded a plane. I was there in Little Rock, Arkansas. That's where I flew out of. My wife was there because we were married at the time. Um, so I had to give her a big kiss, big hug, tell her goodbye, jumped on that plane. And me and about four other guys took off flying to San Diego. So uh, when we got to San Diego, we got off the plane. We kind of stumbled around the airport because we didn't know where we were going. Finally got where we were going, the USO. And at that point, they had us sit there and just kind of wait. So it's a nice little USO. You know, we're sitting there having a good time. And then all of a sudden, somebody walks in and says, hey, get on the bus. So we all jump on this bus and uh, once we get on there they tell us hey put your heads down heads down so we put our heads down kind of trying to get it in our laps just so we couldn't see outside and then we took a short bus ride now if, if you've ever been to san diego especially the recruit depot you know it's not very far from the airport um, but i will tell you somehow that driver made it seem like it took an hour to get there how that happened i have no idea but it did it felt that way um, i remember pulling up uh, head was still down because I was a little nervous. I'm not going to lie to you. So next thing I know, lights come on. Somebody comes on the bus, one of those iconic drill instructors, got that nice campaign cover on, and starts screaming some words at us that, I'll be honest, I, I couldn't even understand. All I know is everybody started moving and getting off the bus. I was following in, same as everybody else. I took off, got off the bus, got on the yellow footprints, and then we were off to the races. At that point, we went inside, we had to make a phone call, we had to give them all our personal gear. I mean, 
we were up all night doing admin work, all kinds of crazy things. Uh, next morning, uh, still no sleep, we uh, marched over to the chow hall. And when I say marched, uh, that isn't exactly do it justice. Uh, I remember you, you were on the ditties and it was like, forward. And then we'd have to say, stand tall, lean back. And then you'd say, march. And we'd go, and, and our left leg would just be up in the air. And eventually everyone kind of put their foot down and said, step. And at that point, the drill instructor would call cadence, but it'd be super, super slow. Left, right, left, right. So we marched that way. Of course, no one could march that way that slow. And we all looked like we were absolutely stupid. Uh, we marched all the way to the chow hall, got in and got our first taste of boot camp chow. So I, I, I was a little nervous. Couldn't eat a whole lot, to be honest with you. Um, but I did. I forced it down because I didn't. I, I heard the stories before I went. You better eat everything on your plate. So I did. I ate everything on my plate. Stomach did not feel too good after that because I'm not much of a person for eating breakfast. But that's okay. Ate it all down. So we spent the next couple of days in what they call forming. So we're learning kind of how things work in the squad bay. Squad bay being where we uh, slept. Uh, but these drill instructors were, that were there, they're not the main drill instructors you're going to stay with the whole time. So they're only there for pickup, like incoming, whenever you first get there. Once you do that, then there's Black Friday. And that's the day where you go and you get in your new barracks, which is where you're going to be introduced to your drill instructors. So I, I remember sitting there on the quarter deck up front of the squad bay. Uh, left hand, left knee, right hand, right knee. Uh, sitting down cross-legged on the floor and then in comes a, an officer he says a couple of things then in comes a uh, the senior drill instructor my senior drill instructor uh, comes in then all the other drill instructors then my senior drill instructor starts giving a speech and just intimidating it, it was absolutely crazy uh, I didn't even know what to think at that point and then all of a sudden, senior drill instructor turns it over to the next drill instructor. And what I thought I knew of as chaos wasn't even close in comparison. I'm telling you, they erupted and just crazy stuff going on. There were, there were kids crying. There, we were running back and forth. We were screaming. We were yelling. We had no clue what the drill instructors were saying. Could not understand them because we weren't, weren't used to it. So that, that's how we started the boot camp process and it, it was it was definitely a, a good time let's see i had uh, dr uh senior drill instructor staff sergeant ross drill instructor staff sergeant rudicell drill instructor staff sergeant mcwilliams and drill instructor staff sergeant lopez now the last one staff sergeant lopez he didn't show up till i want to say it was second phase when we went up to um camp pendleton for all the field training and rifle and stuff like that uh, i think that's when he showed up but uh, moving forward in that, so it was pickup day, whatever, we moved on. So the first couple days, you're just kind of learning how to move and get from point A to point B and make sure that you know all your general orders and those types of things for standing post at night. And then we go into the initial strength test. That's whenever you go out and it's the first time you're doing uh, any, any type of physical activity, right? This is the very first time you're going to go out and actually get tested. So it involved pull-ups crunches and I want to say a mile and a half run at that point but I remember sitting there uh, for the pull-ups 
and our first sergeant, first sergeant Vines was his name. Huge guy. I I mean he was I I'd say probably six four something like that. Probably in my mind he was that tall. He may not have been, but he had muscles just everywhere. And I was amazed how wide his shoulders were, just how massive he looked next to all of us. And uh, I remember he told him, he's like, I, I've got the brief, don't worry about it. So he gets on this pull-up bar and he puts his arms his, or his hands all the way out as far as they would go. And so, his, you know, he's wide stretched and, and doing really wide pull-ups is not an easy task. But he starts saying, all right, you're going to mount this bar. Had a really deep voice. Okay, you're going to mount this bar just like this. You're going to grab on. Then you're going to pull straight up. Make sure that your chin goes over the bar. Now, at this point, he pulled up. His chin went over the bar. And he's holding himself there, still talking to us. And then at that point, you're going to lower yourself all the way down. Make sure your arms come fully extended. As he's saying it, he's doing it. And then he starts to go on. And you're going to continue this until your drill instructor tells you to get off the bar. And you're going to keep going. And he just went on a five minute conversation talking to all of us. And uh, at that point, he, after the conversation, he he jumps off the bar and, and all of us, we're, we're just in shock that this is even happening. I, like, I could not believe that he was able to do that. Just a massive individual. Uh, so intimidated is not even a word that I can explain it. Um, so moving forward, I, I, I'll hit some things that were very memorable for me in recruit training. Um, so I was a whiskey locker recruit. So that's the whiskey lockers where you kept all your supplies, right? All your cleaning supplies, all your extra soap and, and things of that nature. But in, in there, I was in charge of making sure that that area was clean. Uh, I had worked in a grocery store, so I knew how to stock shelves and make sure everything was covered and aligned and all that type of stuff. So the task of doing it wasn't that difficult. What made it difficult was a drill instructor would come in and now I know, because I was a drill instructor at one point, now I know that a recruit is always wrong. So they would come in, see something and completely annihilate and throw everything down on the floor and scream and yell, rant and rave and you stand there, aye sir, yes sir, aye sir. And then you have to go back and do it again, right? You have to put everything back up there the way it's supposed to be. So I was in there one day um, doing, my, doing my thing, putting everything up, and one of the drill instructors, they had just found out that I was in the band. So it was a new, a new thing for them. So they come in, and, and I can't believe you're in the band. You know what? I have somebody that, that uh, needs to talk to you. And then all of a sudden, the drill instructor disappears. So I was like, okay. So I continued on doing my mission, fixing up this whiskey locker, making it look good. Uh, next thing I know, uh, drill instructor comes in and uh, he starts yelling at me and he's like, you joined the world's greatest fighting force to be in the band? Are you kidding me? To be in the freaking band? Uh, yes, sir. So, of course, he went on and on and, you know, yelled and screamed at me and things like that. Um, his, his name, this is the first interaction that I have with this individual, but his name is uh, was drill instructor Staff Sergeant Via, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but Via was his last name. I'm just not sure he was a staff sergeant at that point. Uh, but anyways, every time he saw me, it didn't matter where we were at. If he saw me, he was going to give me a hard time because I was in the band. So that, that, was, that was loads of fun. Having another drill instructor from another platoon giving you a hard time every time he sees you. Always fun. So 
again, because I'm in the band and uh, we were getting IT'd one time. So uh, incentive training is what it is. So it's kind of like a punishment type of deal. They would usually, I remember they, they put us in a sand pit or something a lot of times, sometimes on the quarter deck, but this, this particular time was in the sand pit. I remember I was doing mountain climbers. So my head was down and I'm down. I'm saying one, two, three, one, one, two, three, two. And I'm, I'm really getting it right. And then I looked up and glanced up at the drill instructor. Well, this was uh, drill instructor Staff Sergeant Lopez. So he's a really short individual. And I look up and he's got his head kind of tilted back and he's shaking it back and forth like side to side. And he's like moving his arms like he's conducting an orchestra. Well, of course, I find that absolutely hilarious. And we're not supposed to laugh, but man, did I ever laugh. I laughed so hard. It was ridiculous. And all he did was he looked down at me and he said, Cox, what do you think? This is music to my ears. I, I love this. This is the best kind of music. And it was us singing one, two, three, one, over and over and over until we got as high as possible or our time ran out and we had to leave. Uh, but absolutely hilarious. But at that point, now the senior drill instructor gets in on it and uh, he would have a thing. He'd say, turn on the radio. And me, because I was in the band, me personally would have to say, turn on the radio, turn on the radio, aye, sir. One, two, three, one, one, two, three, two. And then I would scream that until he got tired of hearing it. Uh, I remember I made it up to 500 and something one time. And then he finally said, right, that's enough. Go away. Um, so then I, I did eventually get to go rest my voice. But they started to institute something that, that was absolutely wild. And it made everyone in the platoon upset. Um, they would go up and get IT'd. They would never have to say anything because I was the radio. I would go up and I would scream on their behalf, standing at attention while they're getting uh, IT'd. Uh, it's incentive training, right? They're getting doing exercises and I'm just standing there screaming uh, the, or screaming the cadence sound. So anyways, it was it was a good time. Uh, a senior drill instructor, when he, he was in the duty hut, uh, he would have other drill instructors come over or whatever and he would always say, hey, you want to... You want to hear the want me to turn the radio on and he's like uh yeah and so he'd yell for me i come up there and he'd make me come in the duty hut and he'd say turn on the radio i say turn on the radio i sir and i'd start doing my thing and uh he would always like turn like turn his hand right and it pointed at me and turn his hand to the right and that would be like turn up the volume right and then he'd turn it to the left i'd be turned down the volume so if he wanted to talk he'd turn me down really low so i was one two three one one two but it, when he wanted it loud you know he'd crank it up so that, that was a lot of my experience of, of because I was in the band and them giving me a hard time. So it was, it was a lot of fun. Now, when we were up north, we were uh, getting ready to go to the Rifle Ridge, or I think we had done Grass Week, actually. And getting ready to, uh, the next following week, go to uh, the Rifle and shoot. The Rifle Range, excuse me. Well, anyways, I was having some issues personally. So my... Um, testicles were hurting at this point and, and I didn't know what to do uh, I thought about it I, you know I tried a couple different things to try to make it stop didn't help any I'm sure some of you know what I'm talking about but it just did not work so and I was not gonna go up and see one of the drill instructors uh, I the only person I would talk to was the senior drill instructor so I waited until he was on duty and I go up and I bang on the hatch recruit Cox request permission to speak to senior drill instructor 
And he's like, what? And I tried to, sir, this recruit would like to talk to you in private. And he's like, well, just get in here. So I went in the duty hut and uh, he's standing there. He's behind his desk doing some paperwork. And I was like, sir, this recruit has an issue. And he's like, just tell me, tell me what it is. I said, this recruit, his balls hurt, sir. And I, I never forget, he's, you know, his head is down, he's looking at his papers, and then he just stopped everything, looked up at me, and said, say that again? And I was like, sir, and he goes, no, 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 just talk normal. What's wrong? And I was like, my balls hurt, sir. They hurt really bad, and I don't know what to do. And so he looks at me for a good long while and says, well, did, did you try, you know what I mean, right? And I was like, yes, sir, I, I did, and it did not help. And he was like, oh, man. Okay, uh, you're going to medical first thing tomorrow. I was like, oh, good to go, sir. So medical rolls around the next morning. I go in, sick call, and I'm in talking to the doctor. First things he starts asking, he's like, when's the last time you had sex? I'm thinking, I've been at boot camp for, what, six, seven weeks, something like that. And I'm like, well, before I left. And he's like, well, was it with somebody you know? And I was like, yeah, it was my wife, the only person I've ever had sex with, right? And uh, he's like, okay, all right, sounds good. So he leaves and a corpsman comes in shortly after that. And he, he comes in, he's holding the, uh, the papers and he's like, okay, what are we going to do for... And then as he's saying that, he looks down at the paper and sees what's going to happen. Yeah, reads it, right? And he's like, what are we going to do for... Oh my God. And he closes up the paperwork and he looks at me. And he's like, okay, um, we're going to do something. And it's not going to be pleasant. But... We're not going to do it one time. We're going to do it twice. And I'm like, oh my God, what in the heck is going on? He's like, drop trials. I was like, what? And he's like, drop your chance. Let's go. Uh, so I did. I did what I was told. And uh, so he gets the, the uh, I almost said toothbrush. That is not it. Um, Q-tip. He gets the Q-tip and grabs my uh, penis, sticks the Q-tip in, rotates it while it's in there and pulls it out excruciating pain and I I am not holding back I am letting him know that it hurt uh, he didn't do it once he did it twice so I got to feel that twice and I was like oh thank God this is over and he goes okay man all I need you to do is pee in this cup and I was like okay well that'll be easy in comparison to what just happened to me so I go into the to the head or the bathroom there and I start to try to urinate into this cup, and as soon as my urine starts going through, I thought that uh, the Q-tips going in hurt. Oh no, no, uh, nothing hurt ever as bad as me urinating right then. And I screamed like a little girl, ah! and uh, all I could hear from the uh, outside of the door was the corpsman laughing hysterically at me. Um, Anyway, so I get out, and I remember I had to go at that point. You know, they were do, did some tests to make sure it wasn't anything uh, sexually transmitted disease, right? And uh, but they also did a couple other tests. Um, but it was time for me to go. Uh, I remember a drill instructor had to drive down because we're at the range at this point, so he had to drive down and uh, pick me up. So he's in a truck, pickup truck. And uh, I come out, and he's like, "Well, what was it?" And I said, "Sir, they're doing tests. This recruit doesn't know yet." He's like, all right, get in the back. So I jumped in the back. Well, we started driving, and oh my God, just pain all the way there, or, or as we were driving. We get a little ways down the road, he pulls over, and he yells, hey, Cox, get up here. So I jump out of the back, and I open the front door, and I jump in with him, and 
And he's like, if you tell anybody I put you in the front seat, I'll kill you. And I was like, oh, yes, sir. Uh, and then he was nice enough to let me drive up there because I'm sure he could see the pain on my face as it, every bump he hit. It was excruciating pain. But I went to the rifle range. Uh, it turned out it was a uh, like a little stone uh, that I had to pass while I was there. So that was loads of fun on that. If you ever done that, uh, luckily mine was small, wasn't horrible, but bad enough. I'd never want to do that again. Um, so we're on the range, right? And so I, I'm I'm firing, right? And this was qual day. I'm firing. I would do the 200, we do the 300, and we're moving back to the 500. Well, I didn't get an opportunity to go and make a head car go go urinate before I shoot in on the 500. And the 500, it's like 10 minutes long of slow fire, right? And I, so I, you know, I jump down because they're like, hurry up, get down. I'm like, oh, I grab all my stuff. I lay down. I, I get ready, get ready and everything. And, you know, it's just said, okay, fire. So at this point, as I'm laying on the ground, I knew I had to go bad. I mean, really, really bad. So I'm trying to let it out of my mind, try to concentrate. I aimed in, pulled the trigger, not nowhere close to the black. And I'm like, oh no, you know, this is the old iron sights. It's not the new stuff like the guys have now, but it's the old iron sights. I shot off three, I think it was three rounds, um, might have been four, and I, I missed the black, every one of them. Uh, and I remember the coach come up behind me and he's like, you've been hitting black like every time, what's going on? And I turned around and I said, this recruit has to make a head call. And uh, he just kind of looked at me and Looked over at the drill instructor and said, hey, drill instructor, come here. So oh, one of my drill instructors, and I don't remember which one. It might have been uh, Staff Sergeant Rudisell, uh, comes over. And uh, I tell him, you know, this recruit has to make a head call. And he goes, well, you're like five points away from making expert. And I'm going to tell you right now, if it were me, I'd just piss myself. So I looked at him, contemplating it. Is he telling the truth? Like, is he serious about this right now? So I was like, well, I'm here. I want to get expert. So I let it go. I just urinated all over myself while I was laying there in the prone on the ground. And uh, I hit all black from there on out. No issues whatsoever. I wasn't squirming around. Now, I will tell you, I was wet. Um, it was warm at first, but, you know, eventually it got cold. Um, but, yeah, uh, they called that my piss badge. Uh, they were nice enough. They let me go back to squad bay, get a new uniform, take a shower, all that good stuff. They, they were being very generous with me, and I do appreciate that. Um, and then toward the toward the end, this is like right before graduation, uh, drill instructor Staff Sergeant Via, the one that would always give me a hard time about being in the band, I remember he walked in front of me and he asked, he's like, do you know why I gave you such a hard time? I was like, no, Staff Sergeant, I don't know why. And he goes, it's because I'm in the band too. And... Uh, I saw Red. I wanted to strangle him. I, I couldn't even believe he would give me such a hard time with him being in the band as well. But it is what it is. Uh, fast forward many, many, many years. I got to play guitar with him uh, just recently, which was a good time. Uh, I'm going to have him on uh, one of the podcasts in the near future, so you'll get to hear some of these stories from him. Uh, it'll be fantastic. Uh, but And then, of course, graduation. My wife was there, my mom, my dad. Uh, my brothers Adam and Robert were there, so it was a great experience, a great time. All right, now I've told you um, a little bit of boot camp stories. Uh, of course, that's how everybody starts out when they're 
when they're new, right? So I'm new at this this podcasting thing. I figure I'd tell you my starting out stories in the Marine Corps. But I do want to talk about a couple of things, um, and I want to impart this because of my my kids. Eventually, they, you know, as they're growing older, I want to be able to give them words of wisdom and experience. And I know I'm not going to remember them all, so I'm going to try and just put it down and get it here in a recording. As my child opened the door and looked at me just then, uh, but I want to get it down. So my first thing that I, that I really want to push to them and anybody else that's listening, and, and this is good advice to anybody, but. Um, you got to give your word, right? Like if when I am working with somebody and I say, hey, I'll take care of that or I'll get that done or whatever the case is, I'm basically putting my honor on the line. And and I'm telling them that that this is an agreement. It's not written down, but it's an agreement. We had a conversation. I told you something. I told you I was going to do it. And it's up to me to follow through and get that accomplished. Um your, your word is your bond and it is incredibly important as you're, you're moving on in life to know that know who you can trust and if you're not trustworthy people won't come to you because they don't trust you so you have to do and and make sure you're following through so people know that you're trustworthy so people c- will come to you time and time again when they need when they're in need of help um, you know, that paid dividends for me in the Marine Corps. Um, and, and I've tried to do that. Every time I said, yes, I'm going to do it, then I tried, you know, I tried my best to get it done. Uh, if I was, there's any doubt in my mind, I would always say something like, hey, I, I'll do my best. I can't guarantee, but I'll do my best to try and get this done. That way I gave myself a little wriggle room. And if, if I fail, you know, I could say, hey, look, I did say I couldn't guarantee it, but I'm still working on it. I'm still trying to get it done. Um, but sometimes you get tasked with things and, uh, you say, okay, I'll, I'll do it. You say, I, I, whoever it is, and you go, go to do it. Um, and at that point, sometimes you're going to fail and failing. There's nothing wrong with failing. Uh, I mean, there is something wrong with failing, but you, you learn when you fail, you learn from your failure and hopefully your, your leaders, whoever it is that you're working for, give you, gives you opportunities, uh, to try new things and fail. Uh, and don't hold you too too much to the fire on that one, you know. But once you make that mistake, once you make the mistake, there goes my daughter again. Once you make the mistake, you have to own up to that mistake. You have to say, you know what? I screwed up. I, I should have gotten this done. I should have done this. I should have done that. Whatever it is that you mess up, you have to own it. Don't shy away from owning that mistake. Don't get so been around things that you're like I, I, you just, I just you know it was somebody else's fault so this person didn't do this this person didn't do that just own up to it just say hey that's all me I'm sorry I, I screwed that up I'll do better next time and then you have to do the next step which is learn from the mistake you have to learn what you did wrong so you have to take a look at that you have to analyze yourself where did I go wrong in this situation and hopefully you figure out what that is and hopefully you can move on and if you can't figure out what it is and how you screwed it up well then that's when you reach out to other leaders and start asking questions reach out to your peers start asking questions hey what do you see what am i missing and then try to figure out those things so you can eventually get back on track and learn from that mistake and move on so 
this only really works though in my opinion if if you actually are proud of your work so i've always been told you know it doesn't matter what you do as far as a job even if it's not a job it's just a task or whatever uh, whatever it is that you do you have to be proud of the product you put out and if you're not proud of that well then we're missing some stuff i i mean the Marine Corps is very proud service. We think we're better than everybody else. You know, that's what we always say. Uh, but I'm here to tell you there are people that they're they're not in it for the organization. They're not in it for the people around them. They're not in it for doing what's right. They're in it for a paycheck. And, and you run across that all the time, whether it's the military, whether it's out in town, uh, in the civilian sector. No matter where you are, there are individuals that are just in it for the paycheck. And... You have to be better than that. Don't ever be in it just for the paycheck. Always be in it for your honor. Always be in it to be the best that you can be in whatever it is that you're doing. If you're going to be a stock boy, be the best stock boy there is. Make the managers there want to promote you into positions of leadership within the store. It, that's the goal is to be the best at everything that you can do. Now, are you always going to be the best? Absolutely not. But you should always strive to be the best, right? You should be proud of the work that you've done. If, if you're aligning cans, make sure it's perfectly aligned because that's a product of your work and shows your worth to your bosses. It shows your worth to your peers. So people can rely on you when things come up and they'll know what your strengths are because they can see it. Um, but those are very important things, right? Give, give your word. Hold your word. Make sure that you do it. Own up to your mistakes when you when you have those mistakes. Don't be scared. Even if you're a leader and you make a mistake, don't be scared to go to your subordinates and, and your, your juniors and say, hey, I screwed this up. I apologize. I wasn't my best best thing. I'm going to redo it and we're going to do it better this time. Um, and then you got to learn from that mistake. Uh, if you're not learning, then you know you, you got work to do. Um, and then lastly, be proud of your work. If you're not proud of your work, you need to start doing that. That is one of the best ways to be able to have mission accomplishment, be able to finish and complete tasks, those types of things. You'd be proud of it, proud of whatever it is. It doesn't matter if you're a cook. It doesn't matter if you're, uh, you're cleaning toilets. It doesn't matter what it is. Be the best you can at that. Be the best one there. And a lot of that boils down to attitude. That's what we're talking about here. You have to have a positive attitude, a positive outlook, and always looking for the positive in every situation, right? You've got to build yourself up in that instance of being a positive individual, and that's going to help you immensely, immensely whenever you're doing these things. So I, I can give you a quick story um, of making sure that you're giving your word, you're owning up to your mistakes, those types of things. So many many times in the marine corps i've been tasked with things and uh when i was younger i always i i whoever it was and then i'd go out and i would do my damnedest to try to finish that task um i would work and work and work it didn't matter how late i stayed it didn't matter how much it, it, it i was going to get the job done uh but where i failed was i, I never asked never asked really for help I, I didn't look left, look right, ask my peers and say, hey, what would you do and how would I do this or anything like that? 
Uh, I didn't go out and network to other shops and try to figure things out, right? And then I would mess it up. I, I, I would fail in something. Um, and then I would always try to do the blame game. I'd try to blame somebody. Oh, it's it it so-and-so's fault because they didn't do this. And I, I couldn't get this done because they didn't do that. Well, no, that's that's not that's not a part of it. You can't you can't do that. Uh, and then there was a time where I just kept making the same mistakes over and over and over. And when you're making the same mistakes, man, do your leaders get upset with you? Man, I've gotten some really good butt chewings because of that. Um, but if I'd learned from my mistakes and moved on, which I eventually learned how to do, uh, you know that that's that's one of the things that. Um, is, is missing in a lot of people as they're moving forward in their careers. Uh, now, I, I will tell you, I was always proud of my work. That's one thing that it didn't matter if I was a stock boy. It didn't matter if I was working in a convenience store. It didn't matter if I was, you know, whatever. Whatever it was I was doing, hey, I'm, I'm going to be proud of my work. I'm going to put forth an effort. Now, the problem is, is yeah, I was proud, but I was falling short, and I needed to learn in order to get better. Um, but anyways, I, I say that, hopefully my daughters hear this eventually and hopefully they're they're on a, on a good path uh, in life and, and trying to grow up and just be great young women. All right, well, that brings us to the close of the first fireside chat. I wanna thank you for joining me by my fire and letting me tell some stories and give some lessons learned over my life. Tune in on Saturday as we have part two of Sergeant Major Mafia with Bill Oldenburg. I for one am excited for the next episode. He has got some fantastic stories and as we're getting into his staff and CO ranks, we're gonna have some absolutely incredible stories. So it'll be a good time. As always, as always, stay motivated and change your socks.